Hello and welcome to the third episode of the In Search of Justice podcast. I am Ruchika. And I am Vandita. And today we are delving into a perspective that often gets overlooked when it comes to conversations on justice. Today we are going to be discussing the role justice can and maybe should play in addressing the trauma of survivors of gender-based violence. Before we start out today, we'd like to give a general content and trigger warning for discussion of traumatic events through the episode. We will be talking about sexual and gender-based violence. and it may be triggering for a lot of us we will be deep diving into what trauma looks like and please feel free to step away from the episode take a pause take a break for your well-being what is trauma uh, we see that word being used everywhere in the context of gender based violence but what is it i think trauma is primarily like an emotional response to a violent event but i wouldn't say that it stops at like an emotional response right i think trauma can manifest even physically um in behavioral aspects in so many different ways and it definitely does not look the same for everyone even in the context of like gender based violence these responses are quite specific to the acts of violence that have occurred um which could be because of the person's gender identity but it also depends on where the person's social positionality is how a person navigates and deals with trauma can often also be the result of the support systems they have and here i would also like to make a quick point about how often we see trauma more easily when it's something larger right we have a tendency to classify even violence as small violence or violence that it's okay to ignore and larger violence that is something that is worthy of trauma and i think that takes away a lot from the trauma that each of us lives with every day i'll share a small example um if there is a case of rape there is an automatic understanding of ensuing trauma of the fact that trauma will be a possible consequence of the act However, every time I would take the local train in Bombay, um I would get sexually harassed um at the railway platform or I would be catcalled at at least a few times a month. But that sort of trauma is not accounted for. Um it doesn't account for the fact that I walk faster when it's late in the night or um uh, when I'm going into the parking lot of an empty mall, I'm clutching the keys in my hand to my car. and i'm planning to use that as a defense tactic which i wouldn't even know how successful that would be the fact that i live my life according to a rape schedule i am navigating my time my work everything to ensure that i'm not getting sexually violated or harassed is a form of trauma that i and i'm sure a lot of people across the world carry with them every day and it's not something that gets addressed i think it's very important that we look at trauma from a more holistic lens and we understand how all of this can be trauma and how we need to devise different ways to be able to address this so i think it's time to bring in our guest for this episode and i think she can give us a deeper understanding of trauma and and especially link it to our conversation around justice uh we have the program director for mental health at ofc and a clinical psychologist pragya here with us hi pragya how are you doing today Hi Rachika doing good hi Vanita extremely happy to be a part of the podcast today and uh, it's uh, I I think it's a topic that uh, definitely needs a lot more attention and I'm glad that we are talking about this today thank you Rachika so happy to have you with us um I think it'll be lovely to understand from you what exactly is trauma right um how would you define it and then coming to the context of gender based violence how would you then define trauma under gender based violence so uh, trauma if i have to very simply put across uh, it would just be you know an emotional and a psychological response 
to any stressful experience or situation that we basically experience as individuals. Um, however, one thing to note about trauma is that there isn't a globally recognized definition for trauma. So there is no one agreed upon definition of trauma. And uh, as a practitioner and as somebody who uh, works with people who have experiences of trauma, I think uh, I understand this, that trauma is something that's extremely subjective and relative. Uh, what may be trauma for one person may not be trauma for another and the likewise. And uh, there isn't really a, a category that one needs to meet when it comes to trauma. So um, when we look at basically literature and when we're trying to understand trauma, we see that trauma is categorized into various types. Uh, you know, there's of course psychological trauma, emotional trauma. Uh, there is trauma experienced at the physiological level, at the physical level. And uh, there are various types like acute, chronic, complex. In, in the literature of psychology, we also look at big T trauma and small T trauma. Uh, whereas I think when we look at the real world, when we're looking at personal experiences, trauma is something that can be absolutely anything because at the end of it, trauma is nothing but uh, a, perspective, a perspective, I would say. Uh, it's basically a lived experience of an individual and whatever holds true for them, whatever, how they rather perceive that particular incident is trauma for them. So this is where I think trauma is an experience that differs from individual to individual and does not need to necessarily meet a definition or criteria to be labeled as trauma or not trauma. It's extremely important that trauma is understood as a relative experience and phenomenon rather than looking at it from watertight uh, definitions or you know some categorized manner of understanding trauma and trauma associated with uh, the phenomenon of gender-based violence is multi-layered it can begin right from the very nature of the incident as well so what is the intensity of uh, the incident of violence and in itself, I think, you know, it, it doesn't really matter whether the incident is big, small, uh, it's it's happening, you know, privately or it's happening publicly. But if an ex if, if a person is basically experiencing stress, if they if the person is experiencing that phenomenon or that situation to be stressful, it is trauma or an experience of trauma for that person. I think also another factor which often gets uh, missed out, the privilege in itself, you know, what is the socio-demographic dynamic of the person, the cultural factors that are associated with lives. So trauma, I think, is in itself, I think, you know, we can keep going uh, on and on about talking uh, the multiple perspectives of trauma, but I'd simply, you know, put it in a nutshell by saying that it is intersectional and multi-layered when it comes to understanding trauma in gender-based violence. So... Um, I want to sort of reflect on, take what you've just said and reflect on it in like a larger context and, and just center survivors here for a moment before going into uh, sort of the support systems around survivors usually. In your experience as a mental health professional, what are some things that survivors of gender-based violence need or look for in order to recover from traumatic events uh, or the violence they faced? I think one of the first and primary things that survivors look for is an identity. 
most people uh, feel at a loss of you know identifying with themselves they feel confused as to you know who am i what am i have i uh, you know like have i become someone else am i to be blamed for what has happened to me and uh, there is a lot of experience of guilt and shame that is attached which uh, at one hand they experience intensely and on the other hand they also want to get away from get rid from but they don't know how to so there is a lot of um, sense of i think that desperate search for their own identity uh, a lot of strong sense of belonging that they look for because i think in a society uh, where gender based violence i think is not even understood you know in uh, the most holistic manners a lot of times survivors also feel lost as to you know where will i go after this who will associate with me who will take care of me and a sense of belonging is something that some people are able to gain when they have uh, maybe you know like support group for survivors or if they have you know a family to go to if they are accepting enough but beyond that and i think for a lot of individuals there is a deep sense of lack of belongingness that they desperately search for the third most essential thing that uh, people i think in my understanding look for uh, is a sense of trust they want to establish trust but they find it really difficult to be able to overcome their experiences of mistrust and reestablish their trust uh and they keep re-experiencing a lot of problems and also new problems in their existing relationships after the incident of violence and trauma apart from that uh there are lots of people in general and i think if i have to uh you know give like a blanket answer i'd say that there is a lot of search for forgiveness uh, of the self where they not just want to learn to forgive themselves but they also want to ask the forgiveness from others and i think that is one crucial point where we need to intervene as systemic people as stakeholders and as uh, you know allies or supporters of uh, you know preventing gender based violence that forgiveness is not something that needs to be granted because this isn't a mistake uh however i would like to and i want to bring this point forth because this is something that we do see uh in people who are survivors of gender based violence so that that's quite an essential perspective that i think needs to uh, evolve at an individual as well as a systemic level apart from that uh, a lot of self confidence self esteem self worth looking at the self or you can generally say self image uh wanting justice and uh, i i think one of the things that i see beyond any of these concepts and constructs is that people sometimes literally just want to be seen as human enough so that this particular experience whatever their experience is is not repeated and i think this is something uh which is something which is commonly experienced among people who are survivors of gender based violence uh they also do look for a lot of security a sense of security and safety in their relationships uh along with uh like i said just really basic humanity and i think it's it's quite a saddening aspect i'd like to add that um that it actually takes you know something like violence to take place to be able to even realize and recognize that you know we deserve humanity 
So um, these are things that I think, uh, you know, oftentimes can't be just answered because, of course, they are absolutely individualistic in nature. But these are some of the common factors that I've seen in my experience as a mental health practitioner, which I'd like to put forth to maybe both of you and maybe add as well. Uh, as I leave with some pondering questions about, you know, the basic grounds of humanities uh, that goes missing uh, and is rather a need for survivors. That's extremely important, Pratya. I hear a lot of that what occurs as a result of trauma for survivors is often so much more rooted in societal and patriarchal perceptions of what they see survivors as. Um, our society sees survivors as the person to blame, right? There is an immense amount of victim blaming. There is an immense amount of trying to find out what they might have done wrong for something like this to have happened, which leads to a lot of like lowered self-esteem, seeking forgiveness, like when you said, when it's not even their fault. I mean, I think for our listeners, it's extremely important to note this linkage because often we root the trauma of survivors so much in that incident that has happened. And it's very interesting to note that Often a lot of the forms in which that trauma is manifesting is even about how society is responding to what has occurred. Uh, in the inability of different societal agents, right, from your friends to your family, to truly be able to support you, to see you as the person against whom harm has occurred, and to be able to see you as a full human being, and to treat you in that way, and to not treat you as less than. I think those are extremely important points. Thank you for bringing them up. Uh, I'd simply like to reiterate and uh, emphasize the fact that how it's so important to look at people uh, not as simply survivors of trauma or survivors of violence because I think it becomes uh, such a crucial part of their identity and I think the de-shackling needs to happen right from there. Uh, I think we need to treat it something as an experience, as an, an, any other experience. And, uh, you know, maybe I would also like to share this interesting um, research finding that I came across, you know, about uh, a year back. That uh, all of us as individuals experience at least five major traumas in our life. And uh, that is something that nothing can really, like, you know, take away from. And I think this is where we all need to realize that uh, we all are going to have experiences of trauma. We all have experiences of trauma. And we need to learn to, I think, look uh, beyond the lens of trauma, uh, whether they are survivors or no. Because in, I think, in a perspective, we all are survivors of trauma. Absolutely. Um, so I want to sort of focus on the point of trust that you made in uh, a little earlier uh, and sort of round back up to that point. Um, as a survivor myself, I've, uh, I think personally, I've been most comfortable with people when there has been a hundred percent belief and faith in what I have had to say about my experience. Like you said that trauma is a, essentially someone's lived experience and a response to someone's lived experience and their reality. And as society, we, especially in the context of gender-based violence, we have, the tendency to respond uh, without belief in a person and without trust in the person's own lived experience. It actually takes me back to this really, I was reading what we talk about when we talk about rape by Sohail Abdulali and she had this particular paragraph that I'm going to read out because it was really, really interesting. She 
this is when she met her father right after she was raped by men when she went hiking with her friend and she she's written when my father found me he wrapped me in his arms carried me up four sets of stairs to the roof and said what do you want we'll do whatever you want and just those two sentences i think had so much power and and so much if you look at it in even in the context of justice so much justice delivering ability because there was no second guessing there was no questioning there was just 100% trust and faith in what what had happened and acknowledgement of the humanity of sohela in that moment uh, that i think is so so important when addressing trauma due to gender based violence i want to talk about that and the power of acknowledgement in addressing trauma and how we can be more just while addressing trauma of people around us of survivors around us and our own trauma with just acknowledgement right um, and i think uh, to add to that uh, which you guys say that uh, acknowledgement of harm uh, in survivors of gender based violence can sometimes uh, aid in their healing process as well uh, sometimes it could uh, actually mean that you know they become a little more aware more insightful about uh what they really want they're able to voice what they really want uh they do develop uh this insight to not let things just happen to them but rather stand up for their own selves as well sometimes it also does uh give them uh you know i would say the added insight and the little bit of um sort of understanding that they would want to also probably be there for people with similar lived experiences to come and to support them as well it also makes them a lot of times very open to um you know just accessing justice as well and uh, while we talk about you know uh, the acknowledgement of harm and how it really uh, aids in the healing process i'd also like to add that you know it's it's important that we uh don't include narration of necessary strength or empowerment uh only after you know that that comes only after the experience of uh, gender based violence or any traumatic experience for that matter uh, one is not necessarily expected to uh you know like come victorious or successful or more encouraged and powerful after having this experience and we must also be very careful that you know we shouldn't be glorifying trauma in the sense that only those people's lived experiences are valid enough where they've come emerging victorious or more strong so i think it's important to uh, focus and also bring about the narratives around the vulnerability that sustains that continues to sustain sometimes even lifelong for people who have survived um, any sort of violence especially even gender based violence which tends to happen at so many subtle levels that it's often not even recognized so it's important that we do acknowledge both the spectrums where it's not a necessity that one has to grow strong or empowering or encouraging no definitely but i think when you say this something that comes to my mind is often when i work with survivors of gender based violence i've had survivors tell me that you know i'm not a survivor i'm a victim and i want to be seen as a victim because i don't think this is something that i get survived through or i should be expected to survive through um and it's been a conflicting point for me internally as well right because um it's easy to give empowering language to a situation 
without true empowerment actually happening, without things actually shifting. And I see that often when working with persons who face gender-based violence, that there's an automatic need to ascribe um, some sort of triumph, some sort of victory. And that puts so much pressure on the survivor. Like, one, you go through such an incident that is pretty traumatic. Uh, it could have manifested in different ways. It could have been your family, friends, someone outside, someone you trusted often. And then you're expected to emerge out of it as though nothing happened. And often you're expected to emerge out of it even stronger and then perhaps even doing something to support other survivors of gender-based violence. And I find that just that expectation that is held of survivors is often so disempowering as well because it takes away their agency to be the people they want to be, to be able to live through their life and their experience the way they want to. Um, to share a personal experience, I faced uh, violence about 16 to 18 months ago that pretty much affected severe parts of my life in a way that I would not have called myself a survivor. I don't think I would still call myself that because I don't think I survived. I feel like there are parts of me that haven't yet or may not be for a really long time. And I don't know what surviving in that situation looks like. And yeah, just to build upon what Pratya said, right? That agency has to be with the person who faced any form of violence and allowing them to live their experience the way they want to and to live it fully. To live through their grief, to live through their trauma, to live through whatever experience they might have had in a full and complete way is a way of ensuring that survivors have agency and control over their own lives. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Vandita. I think what I'm realizing is, and I have realized over the last year, is that the way we respond to survivors of gender-based violence when they do speak uh, or when they do come to us with their stories of their trauma and their lived experiences is also a huge part of giving them the justice they might need in order to recover. And I think we're very ill-equipped in a lot of ways as a society in our responses uh, and unprepared in a lot of ways in our responses to survivors when they speak up. It, it results in a lot of disbelieving of survivors. It results in a lot of victim blaming and shaming, a lot of getting defensive of what has happened, what hasn't happened. And we sort of lose track of what is actually important. And that is addressing the, the lived experience of the person rather than making it about everything else around it. Definitely. Uh, um, I find that that is so true. In every situation, I find that as people, we're not taught how to address harm. Like, I don't think we would know how to respond adequately. If someone came and spoke to us about like great grief or great loss, right? We're seeing that if someone shares about the death of a loved one, how many of us know how to truly respond in a way that holds space for that person or learns how to recognize um, what sort of support that person might need? What if someone comes and tells you they failed an exam or that they crashed a job in you? We often don't have responses. And I'm just giving these examples to showcase how ill-equipped we are in general to support people and how often we don't have that um, resource capacity within us. So when it comes to gender-based violence, I feel like because we don't know how to respond, uh, we fall into these pre-written scripts of how we must respond and how society must react to such incidents. No, I think absolutely in agreement to, uh, you know, Vanta, what you said and Richika, what you uh, contributed as well. And I think it actually boils down to that how there is, I think, first a need to just simply 
even understand the constructs of violence, gender-based violence and trauma, you know, to be able to become um, better equipped to even deal with this. Because I think at the heart of uh, being unable to support uh, individually or systemically at this point, you know, if we talk about, uh, is because we don't even, uh, you know, talk about these things. Like, it's, it's a taboo, it's a stigma to even talk about these things uh, at home to begin with. So these are conversations that, you know, have to happen and amplify in different spaces because I think these are things that will exist and will happen wherever we as humans are going to be there. So the conversation, I think, needs to start right from the fundamentals of even understanding and being open to rather even talk about these things in the first place before we even get into the technicalities. And another thing which I think uh, which can become a very important part inherently of our systems of, you know, building truly trauma-informed systems is to actually even uh, let people of survivors talk and their voices actually have some sort of platform of importance uh, where we can learn from them as well. That brings me to my next question. With your understanding of the legal systems uh, and especially how they handle gender-based violence and respond to gender-based violence, uh, can you tell us how effective or ineffective those systems are in addressing trauma? Um, Well, I think um, I'm not sure how effective they are. So I'm maybe going to talk about the inefficacy that remains uh, to be there and that needs to rather be addressed uh, is that to begin with, I think um, when there is a lack of understanding of trauma and when we just stick to, you know, the definitions of trauma, it also makes us as systems leave out a lot of personal experiences that can actually be traumatic, like how we've been discussing about the whole subjectivity and relativity of experience of trauma so uh, right from i think you know the legal assistance that's provided at police stations how our uh, you know our entire law system or the legal system works in our country i think um, trauma-informed lawyering trauma-informed practicing is something that's absolutely a miss where uh, there isn't uh, a place for any sort of uh, mental health assistance for the person who has been at the receiving end of trauma and violence. And uh, <clears throat> the first thing that needs to be uh, brought into perspective is that uh, in this whole process of even like, you know, the person deciding that, you know, they want to go and file for a complaint, the first thing like, you know, how Vandita was just also talking about in, uh, you know, our previous question is the whole uh, re-victimization, you know, the victimization of the victim that happens, uh, that has to stop because, you know, we, we question the person, you know, rather than questioning the society, the perpetrator and the system that are actually the perpetrators of violence. So this is where I think our understanding of gender-based violence needs to come from a perspective of the person who's been at the receiving end that, okay, what is their experience uh, of the phenomenon, what does trauma mean to them and what is it that they want. Uh, and this, I think, calls for a need for a very learning attitude uh, towards rebuilding our systems to become more trauma-sensitive and trauma-informed. And um, like I said before, that I think in the first place, there is a need to even understand gender-based violence and trauma uh, at a far more person-based uh, 
you know perspective uh, rather than what it simply means out there in the white and black documents uh, apart from that i think uh, since trauma like how we discussed initially is also something that's multi-layered and intersectional in nature there is a need for a liaisoning in our systems you know uh, where lawyers and mental health professionals you know right from psychiatrists to counselors to social workers to medical doctors need to work together as a team to even uh, share practices uh, it's understandable that you know there are professionals who specialize to do the jobs that they do but it's important because when we're dealing with people we're not just dealing with one particular incident in isolation but a lot of other experiences that are associated with them how can we as individuals as communities as society do better in our interactions with survivors while being mindful of their trauma it's important that i think like i mentioned that the first uh, step to becoming trauma sensitive is also like you know just being willing to make that effort to listen and understand from the person uh, which also requires for us to leave our lens of judgment aside for a while and uh, truly understand that okay you know if the other person has had an experience and is you know maybe feeling maybe you know traumatic about it or traumatized uh, as a result of the experience it's okay to acknowledge that fact it's not necessary that um it has to be a certain way or they have to have a certain level of or a degree of experience to be able to feel what they are feeling where i think this is where I, we need to i think stop uh, you know like labeling and stop uh, you know what would i say that you know i wouldn't use the word validating their experience but sometimes it's just simple acknowledgement and acceptance of the fact that okay that an individual can feel this way and is rather feeling that way a lot of times when um, you know we see that when people talk about their experiences the other person always has but you know if i was in your place it wouldn't be like that or you're too weak or you're too uh, you know like um, vulnerable or you're not strong enough or you know you should have done that and i think this is why we need to realize that as second people as third person perspective it's very easy to say things but when you are at the receiving end of certain experiences uh, it's an entirely different experience it's an entirely different scenario so uh, it's important that we stop uh, telling people how to feel how to think and how to be and rather respect them for who they are and how they are and what they're feeling so to be able to simply uh, accept and also i think the second step go uh, to go is to even be able to question sometimes you know people are just waiting to fulfill their own um, you know thoughts their own notions about what is right and what is not and this is where it's important to be able to even question uh, what systemically and structurally is put out there because uh, trauma is an experience that cannot just be packed you know within you know certain sets of uh, definitions or categories of you know or what models we put out there but it is something that needs to be understood from person to person so as individuals as communities if we can be there to listen to them uh, you know often times everyone who's a listener may not be in the capacity of even providing help and that's fine it's okay to be acknowledging of that fact that you know i may not be able to help you but i am there to like listen to you and maybe we can find someone to help you if needed and uh, it's important to be transparent and accountable for the help that you can give 
even if it means that you can just be a listener so um i think this is where we can begin with and uh, another thing of course the third thing is to simply also take responsibility to become aware to learn to self educate ourselves of what is happening around what people go through and uh, learning to have a yet further uh, you know like what we call as advanced empathy uh, towards people to be able to look at people as people as not just as you know survivors and victims like how we spoke a little while ago and uh, truly acknowledging their experiences their lived experiences and sometimes emotional support may be the only thing that you can give to that person but you really don't know that that could be the only thing that they were looking for so um, in your own ways in our own ways uh, we can do things to sort of be there for people who have experienced violence and trauma and uh, do our own bit of even being willing to i think be learn more from what we know and not always reimposing and reinstating that you know what we know is correct or what exists out there in the system is correct these are extremely great points but i think for all of us to learn from and to recognize that there is a path for all of us to start being able to support survivors it doesn't have to mean formal education it doesn't have to mean some sort of training before you can do that and also developing like a certain education framework for yourself like just learning online learning through the multiple resources available is such a great step i think also just for each of us to understand what trauma means and how that can look so different for different people in a more general sense also I think that would lead to a lot of empathy and capacity development towards just being there for people and setting boundaries and being there for people like you rightly said that it's okay to just listen. I think we have such an instinctive response to advise or give help that we don't realize we're just listening and holding space for someone to also have so much value, and which is why we often are maybe like just reluctant from providing that support, right? So I think it's very important for anyone listening, and it's been such a journey for me to get here because my instinctive response is, okay, how can I solve this problem for this person? Um, considering I work with survivors, my often instinctive response is, what legal, medical, mental health care support can be provided? And often, trust me, um, whenever I work with survivors, people are shocked. Um, often they just want everyone to listen to them. They want their story to be heard. They want their story to be acknowledged. Me as a survivor, it took me so much time, but I realized that just having shared my story with people and having them listen to me with empathy, and still looking at me the same way even after my story has been shared, I think that for me was so important. And I feel like just being able to extend that to other survivors can be very affirming and pretty much transformative for them. I think what you just said, one of that links to. a supremely uh, popular sort of internet hashtag hashtag believe survivors uh, that a lot of us are familiar with um, and i think this is essentially the point of believing survivors just acknowledgement just being heard just brings them a lot of peace and healing and even maybe some semblance of justice in that in a lot of ways depending on survivor obviously For sure, which kind of fact, um, just drawing a linkage not only to our other episodes but the entire purpose of this podcast, right? When we speak about searching for justice, 
we're often so narrow-minded and only thinking about justice as justice that holds with the individuals that we forget about the different forms of justice that you and I are responsible for. Um, not only what a survivor is responsible for seeking, but the sort of justice we are responsible for providing to survivors. I think we often forget that holding space for them, believing survivors, supporting them to the best of our capacities, and sometimes just like doing non-things, right? Like not blaming them, um, not shaming them for something that happened to them. Those things in itself are a way of extending justice to the survivor. And that's where each of us becomes responsible. It doesn't just become a systemic thing. It is not only a governmental, judicial, legal responsibility. It is a responsibility of each of us. Till we don't change that fundamentally at our interpersonal levels, and we don't relook at our capacity to extend justice to a survivor of gender-based violence, I think it's impossible to expect a system to provide that. Not to say that we shouldn't demand that of systems, because they of course have higher accountability, and of course they are meant to rise above individual discrepancies in thinking and thought processes, right? But we do need a critical mass shift in how we extend support to survivors, because without that, healing of trauma becomes not only impossible, but it also becomes a really lonely and individualistic journey. And I don't think trauma that is caused as a result of collective actions of the society should be something that an individual is forced to reconcile with completely alone. I think it is our responsibility to be supportive and to provide and extend the care and healing that a survivor might need to overcome or just even go through trauma. And this brings us to the poem we're going to feature in today's episode. I'm just going to let the poetry do the talking. What the Body Knows by Tishani Doshi The body dances in a darkened room turning itself inside out so that skin can face the light in fractures. Slip like shadow through skeleton walls. Begin to cry, really, to scream about the tarnished weight of dreams. This has been a drift after all. The body returns to its original place, moves from one to the other, creeps, tries to flee itself, lone drunk, Searches for remain of bark, hints of what it used to be. Perhaps an ocean framed in bone. A pair of birds in early white, flying from this dream to the next, fixing the gaps between memory and reverberation, binding spine on vein, feather to lesion. The body collects its wandering parts leans back through layers of thickening water, roots above, bows beneath, feet caving into wonder. It's how the world reverses itself, how the distant sky finds the earth. The only thing, you know, that uh, I often put forth as a question ahead for, uh, in this case, I think maybe if Vandita and you have something to add on to and for our listeners to think about is that Oftentimes when I think about uh, trauma, violence and justice, uh, when I'm also working with my patients who come with gender-based violence uh, as, a, as an experience, is that uh, what do we really choose? You know, justice versus uh, mental health care is something that uh, is often a question that I think about, I ponder about as a mental health practitioner. 
shop kabhi when you say that you instinctively what comes to my mind is it's so sad that this has to be a choice that often for someone who wants to seek legal justice which is your right as a citizen of this country it becomes a choice between do i really want to put myself through another process that in itself will be more trauma inducing um for so many of my clients having to repeat what has happened to them again and again can be so triggering that after a point they will just back out of the case because they can't continue with their other parts of their lives while they're still dealing with the legal case so honestly that's my first response that um, it just comes immediately to me that unfortunately that this is a choice that we're having to even think about and that both should be able to exist parallelly right and we have seen courts being successful in doing that um in maharashtra courts are successful in trying to develop therapeutic services for those undergoing any sort of like familial like discord and divorce and those sort of proceedings and i feel like that also speaks to how you prioritize cases and what situations you think require that sort of therapeutic support and what situations you don't so yes for me i think it's just it's sad that this is a choice and i would be unable to ever make that choice for myself or someone and i just wish that this wasn't a choice that both of these could not only go hand in hand but they could be interwoven in a way that seeking justice could automatically also have an element of getting mental health support which oh, would you want to add something getting access to uh, any kind of mental health support that someone needs or that a survivor needs it I don't think it's an either or kind of situation it shouldn't be an either or kind of situation um that we shouldn't re-traumatize and re-victimize a survivor in the process of quote unquote delivering justice i i think that's hardly justice if if it causes more harm and it creates more trauma and pu- puts a survivor through more violence hopefully through the podcast we've been able to uh, create that absolute niche need of uh, trauma informed systems uh, that can and you know like uh, i'm actually happy to know that you know maharashtra started with that and uh, maybe it could be like you know the prototype of building uh, more strengthened and strengthened systems of uh, working that are more trauma informed and trauma sensitive So I think um, thank you so much Ruchika and Vandita for you know even having the conversation about this which is so important and I'm just glad that I could you know be a part of this discussion tonight. You know absolutely thank you Pragya for taking the time out to share such important insights into such a complex relationship between trauma and gender based violence. I've learned a lot from you today and uh, I hope our listeners did too. Likewise Ruchika. Definitely. Thank you so much, Pragya. Um, this entire conversation has been extremely enlightening, and I hope for everyone listening as well that just understanding trauma is easier. Because I know that it is easier for me now. As always, please feel free to leave us any questions that you might have. You can leave them as voice notes on Anchor or in our DMs. And we would also love to hear from you, so you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at One Future Collective and at One Future Underscore India on Twitter. You keep an eye out for our future podcasts. We're out every second and fourth Thursday of the month, and of course, uh, we're, this podcast is brought to you by One Collective, and it's produced by Richard. We hope to see you in our future episodes where we converse with various guests in social justice. Until next time.